everyone, and welcome to this week's His Film, Her Movie, the podcast that answers the question, to what lengths will one married couple go to to make the other watch some films that they love? We're back. We're here for another week. How are you? Um, oh, yes. What is your name, by the way? Oh, my name is Lauren. My name is Jordan. I completely um. forgot to do that. <laughs> um... I am less hot than what I was last week because last week we were physically melting yes. and then that's why we couldn't record. It was just so hot and so busy that we had to just be like, we just can't do that. It, it was too hot to even luxuriate in. It was just a sweat box. <clears throat> that is so sexy. It is. It was, just, <laughs> it was just me literally sitting in my boxes trying to stay even... <laughs> Slightly cool and failing. The poor cat was just like, oh, it's no. too hot. Yeah, screaming away. <laughs> and even though we're back here recording, probably isn't best for energy just to eat a whole bowl of pasta and then record. But uh, carbo loading. <laughs> that's for exercise. This is a type of exercise, <laughs> mental exercise. <laughs> oh, but. We're back with our third episode. Yes. In our future classics season. Yes. Back to my choice. And yes. I lied last time around. You did. You lied. How dare you lie to everybody? I said we were going to do Moonlight, but it got round to this week and I thought, do you know what? I wanted something a little bit more upbeat, a little bit Which more. Which is really not you normally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Suicidal Russians. That's all I care about. Yes. Brilliant. Uh, a little bit more fun and a little bit more um, happy-go-lucky. So, I chose a film from this year, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I haven't done, I don't think. <clears throat> um, so, the future classic that I have chosen is Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yep. Film directed by the Daniels. Yep. Starring Michelle Yeoh. It's going to be an interesting one. And before we get into it, why don't you let us know what's been keeping you entertained over the last seven days? Well, I actually watched the three-part documentary on Netflix, uh, Woodstock 99. Oh, yeah. Um, It was really interesting because, obviously, everybody knows about the original Woodstock, um, peace and love and happiness and everything. Drugs. Lots, lots of drugs, yeah. but um, I hadn't really, I didn't, I didn't even realize there had been a Woodstock '99. I mean, like, given that in 1999 I was 11, so like I didn't know anything about it, um, and it was an absolute mess. Like, it was, it was crazy. Um, it was the fire festival of the fire festival? No, because it went it went ahead. <laughs> That's true. It went ahead. Um, I think my most favorite part of it was when the organizers were talking about the lineup, which included people like Limp Biscuit, Kid Rock, Corn, and one of the well, one of the guys who would have been a teenager, early twenties yeah. at that time, going. Do you really think it's a good idea to have all of these kinds of bands all playing the same, like headlining the same festival when we're not set up Mm. for the kind of fans that that's going to bring? And the organizers literally having no idea who these bands were and just booking them. Which were popular. Just because they were popular. And that backfired, backfired horribly. Um, I also enjoyed uh, the icon that is um, that boy Slim talking yeah. about how his um, short-lived appearance at the festival uh, was in a tent that turned into Sodom and Gomorrah at one point, um, which shocked even him. Uh, but it was really good. It was really interesting. It had quite a few of the people who, who, who were there yeah, yeah. and were of different ages. It had the organizers. It had some of the talent. Um, it was filmed very much at a time when people were just sort of starting to take their own cameras out. Right. So they had the traditional like ni- uh, late 90s, early noughties, like grainy home footage of people just going, Whoa, look at this. <laughs> and 
um, loads of the like MTV presenters and people who were there sort of covering it for the yeah, press. Yeah. Um, it's it's only three parts. It was really, really interesting. It's also, it's also like quite a good throwback. It does cover a lot of difficult topics that were uh, well, about things that happened. Right. Um, Such as? There was uh, assaults and all right, kinds of right. things happening. Talks about the culture at the time, why things like that were happening because of the culture. Um, but then it's also quite fun to see teenagers absolutely lose their shit after being charged like 500 times the price for a bottle of water and just deciding to destroy everything that they can get their hands on. So, and whilst knowing that you're all right. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I definitely recommend watching it. It was really enjoyable. Really liked it. Cool. Um, killed, killed a few hours. Brilliant. It was all great. It was all good. Superb. Well, first up on my list is that, well, I travelled to Newcastle last Friday. Yes. Um, to the IMAX. Paid an extortionate £19 for the pleasure <laughs> to do so and saw the new film from Jordan Peele. Nope. Nope. So this follows the story of siblings OJ played oh, by... Oh, by the way, this is a spoiler. Free. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Just because just, just it's quite new, a lot of people haven't seen yeah, it yet. No, absolutely, absolutely. Do you want people to panic? Yeah, so it's about siblings OJ played by Daniel Kaluuya and Emerald played by Kiki Palmer who after like the strange death of their father are now the owners of Hayward Hollywood Horses, a ranch that provides horses for film and TV mm-hmm. uh, productions. But when OJ spots a UFO stealthily flying over the skies of the ranch, things start to <clears throat> really take a turn. And the brother and sister think that they can get their big payday by capturing a video of the UFO. Okay. And that is really a very basic summation of the plot of the film. There's a subplot involving Stephen Young's character called Jupe, who was once a child TV star and now runs this family Western-themed fairground. Mm-hmm. And that's close to the ranch, and who wants to buy the ranch off OG and Emerald, but may have ulterior motives on why he wants to do that. Mm-hmm. So, nope. Like first and foremost, it is. I mean, it's a bloody good movie, um, and it's a good sign of quality that, <clears throat> as a bit of a big horror blockbuster, as a bit of like big horror blockbuster entertainment, it works. It has the thrills and it has the chills. That if that's all you wanted from your UFO, UFO movie, you could go, you could enjoy it, you could leave, and you can leave satisfied. Okay. But it's when you begin to really delve into the nitty-gritty of some of the themes and the iconography going on with it, it, it just opens up on a new, like, totally new level. And what it's saying about exploitation or people being obsessed and attracted by things that um, are awful things that they really shouldn't be. And it's when a film can be both pure entertainment and thought-provoking societal commentary you know you're on for something special. And that aspect of storytelling and filmmaking is is what Jordan Peele is kind of carving out mm-hmm. for himself um, in Hollywood and really honing his skills because, and this is by far the biggest in scope um, and budget that he's worked with, but he's kept the same voice that we know from Get Out and Us, which basks in the horror and the surreal, but also doesn't forget that well, it doesn't forget to have a dark sense of humour with it. Okay, that's good. And yeah, it's at points it's creepy, has some genuinely nightmare fuel visuals, mm-hmm. and has a really surprising mini twist <clears throat> slash revelation halfway through that is just brilliant and something that I'd never really thought of. And it's it's something really simple, but it's it's kind of ingenious and the sound design is is out of this world, pun un, not intended. <laughs> and like actually on a technical level, it I'd say it's pretty flawless. Would I find it too scary? 
I don't think so, to be honest. I think you, I think you might actually enjoy it. Okay. okay. So, whether it comes out, or we can go to the cinema because it's still in the cinema. I'll, um, I'll I, def- won't, I won't go to the cinema because if it's too scary and it's at home, I can at least knock it off. That is true. Um, if it's too scary in the cinema, then I have the shame of leaving the cinema. <laughs> and people just think you're going for a really long way. Yeah. But yeah, I, I don't think it hits the heights of Get Out. But that was what I think is close of a cultural milestone film that we've had in the 21st century. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, it was this massive, massive movie. And like, even though I love us, it, it didn't work as much on a rewatch, but I'm hoping that Nope gets better and better. Because it's one of those where I say, yeah, the more I think about it and the more I unpack it, <clears throat> I enjoy it more. Like, I'm actually yeah. glad that I had an hour <clears throat> drive after the film to let it stew. It might be one of those ones as well. Like you said, there was like that unexpected twist in it. It might be something that when you watch it again, you'd be like, oh my God, they were totally setting us up for this twist and I just didn't well, see it at the time. It's just this, yes, it's a, a strange re- revelation, which yeah, I, I didn't see coming. I don't think many people will. But again, what's, what that says for the film is another level that um, you can bring it. But yeah, it's mm-hmm. like Kaluuya is superb, Kiki Palmer great i mean the energy that they both bring is a huge part of the enjoyment of the movie and like i also think that the imax ratio absolutely adds to the experience and i'm like i'm kind of intrigued to check out what the normal ratio would look like as i can't help but believe like it would diminish the experience because some of the shot choices from peel and the cinematographer Hoyter van Hoytermer, who is christopher nolan's Okay. DP now, so those guys are the king of IMAX. <clears throat> mm-hmm. it, it's one hundred percent engineered to be viewed with that larger frame. Yeah, yeah. So to see it crop down, it might be even a completely different, a different experience. But yeah, I mean, it pays off with a pretty great ending that opens up again another reading that I had of the film, and I kind of wish, I mean, I do. I kind of wish I could talk spoilers. But given that it is, has only been out a week, um, I don't want to do that, but it's a 100% recommend. Good. Okay, that's so good. So cinema. Have you been doing, watching anything else? Or? Um, for me, I'm just trying to think. What have I been watching? Well, there's something we watched together. We always do this, and then I always go, I have no idea what we watched together. <laughs> <laughs> So it was a lazy Sunday, I believe. Oh. And we watched the oh. new Pixar film. Yes, we did. We watched Buzz Lightyear. Oh, just Lightyear? Oh, yeah, we just watched Lightyear. Sorry. <laughs> Show my age. That Buzz Lightyear film. Yes. Um. So uh, I actually spoke about this with one of the girls from work. And um, like, it hasn't had a big... Like people haven't gone like wild for flopped. it. Massively, it's, massively flopped. It's funny because you think, well, it's it, it, it's Buzz Lightyear. Mm. People love Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story, and I feel like I well, I, first off, I enjoyed it. Yeah, it was cute. It was funny. It made us both laugh yep. in parts, which I thought was good. I liked the story. Um, I liked um the cat. I love the cat. Oh, <laughs> Everybody loves the cat boots. Right, which also we found quite funny because it's a cat that always comes in our garden, yeah. and we have named it Boots because yeah. it looks like it's wearing thigh high white boots. Before that as well, way before this film. But I feel like it's maybe flopped because there was no need for this film. Yeah, there was no no demand for this film. It has been made, and you can see how it's been made to sell toys. Nothing more, nothing less. Um, Boots. Whilst a very cute little character, very funny, everything else is is lit in like a completely different way to every single member of that cast. So it always stands out. You've all your eye is always drawn to it. And there are so many boots toys in Sainsbury's. Really, so many boots toys. Um, it's it's one of those where it, yeah, it didn't need to exist, and even how it links in with the Toy Story. Is the fact that it was the film that Andy saw that made him want to get the Buzz Lightyear toy. It just, it's 
so grasping yeah. at straws. But and also, I can't see any little boy loving that film. Like, are we? Are we might be saying like little boys in like what nineteen ninety? Really love this film. Maybe nineteen ninety six was Toy Story. So maybe, maybe from the nineties, yeah. kids will be like, "Oh my god, it's amazing!" Now I don't. Think, I'm also going to say something that I feel for me is quite controversial. Right? Please stop casting Taika Waititi. <laughs> Please, I really like the guy. Like, I like him in films. I like him as a person. I think he's funny. I like his acting. But everywhere I look, I just see this man yeah. or hear his voice. And I just feel like the tykeification of Disney needs to stop. Nice word. That tykeification? Yeah. Thanks. I found it on TikTok. <laughs> um, I'm not going to pretend I am that girl. I can make up words. I, yeah. yeah. It, it's for, for me, it's got... Some interesting stuff going on with it. And again, I've just talked about um, IMAX with Nope. Like the IMAX stuff within Lightyear is really, really good. How it, Because you've got the IMAX enhanced stuff on yeah. Disney Plus, which is where we watched it. And yeah, the film looks great. Mm-hmm. It's Tell them what you wanted, Jordan, because this film would not have been suitable but, but for a child. That's, well, so my idea of how it could be great is that the story that's actually told in the first 30 minutes, I think, could have made a great two-hour movie. Of... So there is going to be a spoiler for this. Yeah. Basically, they're doing, they get stuck on a planet. They're, they're, doing, they're doing tests to get off this planet, and they hit, had to hit warp drive? I feel like that's Star Trek. It's like it's faster I think it's faster than light or something like yeah, that I can't to basically really get off it and every time Buzz Lightyear tries to do it he accidentally goes forward four six, years four years um, and then in the first 30 minutes it then ends up being like what like a hundred years in the future or something by the end of it I think it's maybe something like 60 or 70 years so therefore it's nearly a hundred like years like his um, colleagues have like passed away or they're very elderly it's been taken over by somebody else and they've made like basically a life for themselves on yeah. this planet. You wanted to change a children's film into a two-hour PTSD, finding yourself and finding your place and, and living coping, with guilt. living with the guilt and that, that was the uh, that, that was your decision to take the risk that marooned all these people. Yeah, but yeah, that is not I, a children's I, film. I, I wanted a children's film to be an ex- existential crisis you through really, time. You really did. To be amazing, you want an existential crisis. Watch Inside Out. But yeah, so I mean, yeah. It, the, the, that film, probably a child, kids film, wouldn't, like a good kids film, it wouldn't make. But <laughs> no. then it, it's after that, it just got into a little bit more. It's, it, the thing is, I can't criticise a kids film for being a kids film. Like, no. It's just stupid. It was enjoyable on yeah. the level, but I just found like the intrigue of that first half hour that really sort of pricked my ears up. And I, I was sitting there, I was like, do you know what? This is actually really interesting. And then it just stopped and we went on a bit more of a caper with some kids and a criminal and a cat. A robot cat. A robot cat. Who so, was yeah. designed specifically to help us with his PTSD. It was. But no, yeah, so like, yeah, I, say, I would recommend it. Like, it, I think it's, it's not a bad like, movie. Yeah. It's just, no. it, it's just landed with an absolute... Thud. And also, if you're going to watch with your kid, expect to have to buy a robot cat afterwards. Yeah, true. So, get those purses out. <laughs> right, I've got one more thing that I would like to talk about. Okay. Um, and that is the Amazon Prime exclusive 13 Lives, directed by everybody's favourite sitcom star turned Oscar-winning director, Ron Howard. So this is the film about the football team, the 12 kids and a coach who get trapped in the Tam Luang cave in Thailand. Yeah. Uh, When it flash floods, wait, wait, sorry, when the caves flash flooded back in 2018 and about, it's about the rescue mission that goes on to try and save them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it requires some of the best cave underwater divers who much like, who have to, Traverse? Do you get traverse through underwater caves? Swim? 
swim. But yeah, you, yeah, you have to go through some underwater Traverse caves. Swimming. Traverse swimming. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, but you have to get through these extremely tight sort of caverns and tunnels all underwater um, to find the team and rescue you, rescue you them. And you've got Colin Farrell and Viggo Mortensen as the two British divers, John Valanthan and Rick Stanton, who are brought in as experts and who go on to be sort of key leaders in the rescue. Mm-hmm. And I first saw this poster a few weeks ago now, and it is honestly one of the most boring film posters that I have ever seen. And given that a poster is trying to sell you on wanting to watch a film, it was not doing its job correctly. What was the poster? Well, I have to show you it afterwards, but it's... Will it send me to sleep? It probably will, because it just looks like a stock image with some... Somebody's actually made... Somebody's, it looks like somebody's made it on Canva. That's how I buy my shoes. <laughs> I make Ron Howard's movie posters on Canva. They're not yeah, even Canva premium. The, the thing is, I think it was actually the fact that it was there on Amazon Prime and it was yeah, it was just there on my TV that made me watch this because I probably wouldn't have went to see it in the cinema mm-hmm. because they said the advertisement didn't grip me, and which is a bit of a shame because it's, it's a damn solid movie and it's a bit reductive to say, but it's unavoidable that you need to point out that it does suffer given that it was such a huge news story yeah, and a relatively recent one at that, mm-hmm. that we as an audience know the outcome. So any drama that it tries to amp up with the stakes are diluted somewhat. Yeah. But what it does succeed in is basically showcasing like the true power and incredible ingenuity that human human beings are capable of when you get a group of highly skilled people together for a joint cause, because the method they choose and execute of getting the football team out of those caves is frankly crazy. Did they put them in a bag or something and then drag them through? So No, what they actually did was they got, a diver that they knew who was a doctor who was an anesthetist. Oh, yes. So they literally put them under, yeah. put them, put them like in a scuba and then just drag them as if like they were bags of potatoes through these, because these caves were so tight and hard to manoeuvre that... They would, the kids would just be floppy then and they'd be able to just be like... Yeah, but if they weren't put under, they would just panic. Okay. And like they... they one of the first times to go in there where they try and find them, they're with, a, they're with a, a pretty good diver and he has a huge panic attack whilst underwater and has to like, and they have to save him basically oh whilst doing that. So yeah, it's, and this is such a Ron Howard film too. It's like in my letterbox review, I, I said, I mean, apart from the underwater diving scenes, which I, I genuinely claustrophobic and tense, that, I mean, in the way that they were, they, they were shot, it, yeah, it, it just grip and gets you right up in the action. But, but what I said is, like, it's the most Ron Howard film to ever Ron Howard. And that may seem like a bit of a criticism, and I guess it is. I guess it is, but it's also not, because he's become the very definition of, like, a vanilla solid filmmaker. He never rips up trees by okay. the roots. He rarely makes a dud. Okay. So you know you're going to get good performances and a decent dramatic story. And like that consistency kind of should be applauded that you can just sort of make seven out of tens constantly. Yeah. But but even with those like claustrophobia um, moments, like I, th- I really felt like they could have tried to amp it up a bit more because – it brought back memories of um, a film called The Descent, which is a horror film from like the mid 2000s Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that film. And it's about a group of female cave divers, and wasn't there like a monster or something? Well, yeah, yeah. So... That's why I was like, I ain't never watching. Well, this. it's one of the most terrifying films of say, I'd say like the last 25, 20 years. Could be not only because it's like a monster movie, but the scenes when they're tunneling through 
like these tiny little crevices yeah. is massively, massively claustrophobic. Like it, it, it makes you stop breathing sometimes. Right. It, okay. And it's like, because you, do you know how you can sometimes just feel it? Like, you, do you know if you pin, if you're pinned down and you can't move and you yeah. just have it really triggers those sorts of feelings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it didn't. They were good, but they weren't great within thirteen lives. But yeah, I mean, it is worth the watch. It's a bit long; it's like two hours twenty minutes. But like Viggo Mortensen's great, Colin Farrell's great. They play a belligerent Englishman trying to talk to Thai police. That brings its own sort of comedy. There's a, there's a bit of shouting, but as in a... like, can I have a plate of chips, please? Type <laughs> shouting. No. So not that like Brit abroad. <laughs> not Brit abroad, um, but like it's. It's one of those things where it's like the pressure, in a way, amps up because when they do go over, even though it's sort of not said, it's it's an unspoken thing that Rick, who's um, Viggo Mortensen's character, is like when they find the kids, they're shocked because they expected to find them, they expect them to be dead, and now it's the pressure of now we're we'll going to get them out. No, we don't want to get them out, but. How many people? Yeah, how many people? How many of them going to die? And they're therefore, like, be, how are they going to be judged and whatever? Whereas, like, if they're all dead, that was an easy job for them mm-hmm. in a way, which is a bit not morose. a nice job, but no. at least then you knew what was expected. Yeah. Did Elon Musk make an appearance? He didn't. He actually oh. didn't. I, I was hoping he was going to turn up somewhere, call one of them a paedophile, and go off, but that they they missed that out of the screenplay. I kind of feel like he would literally turn up and go, you're a pedo, and then just jump in the car and run away. <laughs> you know, like proper stupidly, just as like a little comic relief for like 30 seconds. Yeah. Unfortunately not. Unfortunately not, but hey. Well, that's really it, to be honest. Uh, I watched all the Predator films for Prey coming out. You did? I enjoyed those. Predator, I think the Predator franchise is underrated. Predator 2 is good. Predators is good. Prey is better than when I first watched it because do you know what you shouldn't do? Watch new films when you're absolutely wasted. Um, are we talking about a certain person? Who oh, no. All, to... all of us were, were absolutely wasted on that Friday night when um, we were watching Prayer. Yes, but I do remember you talking about a certain person whooping at the screen. Well, that is that was at Bullet. Um, oh, Bullet Train, which is another film I watched, which, do you know, Bullet Train is an absolute waste of time. It's two and a bit hours of I mean, like, belligerent. I, could, I really could have told you that by looking at the it, that that trailer looks awful. It is offensively long, complete nonsense, and tries to survive on the charisma of Brad Pitt. And even though he is very, very charismatic, whenever he's off screen, it really, really suffers. But hey, don't go watch Bullet Train. It's pants. But other than that. Might as well move on yes. to the main event, which is everything, everywhere, all at once. We'll have a clip and then we'll, we will come back with our discussion. Yes. What's happening? I'm talking to my ex-husband. Like I said to you before. It's you messing with my head. Shh. What do I do? She means head. Oh, and I said, don't worry. Wait, am I so good? Please. Calm down. Mm-hmm. Relax your body in the other universe. Please. There's a great evil that has taken root in my world and has begun spreading its chaos throughout the many verses. I've spent years searching for the one who might be able to match this great evil with an even greater good and bring back balance. All those years of searching have brought me here, to this universe, to you. I know it's a lot to take in right now. Mrs. Wang. Hello. So then, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, directed by the Daniels, or just Daniels, um, this is probably the best reviewed film of 2002, mm-hmm. 2002, 2022 so far. 
And it's not twenty years. It's not not twenty years off. And of course, I've chosen it to be a future car classic. So, like, obviously, I, I agree with the consensus on this. But what makes it even better in my eyes is that it came out in the states a couple of months before it did here in yes. the UK, and the word of mouth was incredible. And I went in with with some pretty unattainable expectations, and somehow it surpassed even those expectations. And and that was on a first watch. And now that I've revisited it, I like it even more. So the story is about we have like a middle aged married couple. We've got Evelyn, and we've got Waymond, who's played by Michelle Yeoh mm-hmm. and Ki Hu Kwan. Mm-hmm. Who everybody will know as Data in the Goonies, yeah, and of of um, a short round in yes. Indiana, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. So he hasn't really acted in nearly thirty years. You see, he came back for this. So this middle aged couple, um, they're Chinese American. They run a laundromat and they're currently getting audited by the IRS. <laughs> Evelyn has a bit of a fractured relationship with her daughter Joy, but it's when the consciousness from another Waymond from another universe <clears throat> possesses Waymond and tells Evelyn that she might be the key in saving the multiverse from a powerful force known as Jobo Tupaki, that her mundane everyday life gets turned on its head. So, yes. Talking about everything, everywhere, all at once mm-hmm. may be a bit scattergun because it does a lot of things. And it is a little bit of a scatter film. It is. And it, yeah, it does a lot of things. It, it, it is a lot of things and it throws a lot of things at you as an audience member. And I think what it is, like the strength of the film is how it navigates that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the way I try to explain it is it's, a tightrope walker of a movie because it needs to do everything it's doing perfectly. Otherwise, any one element may overwhelm the next. And I'm not even just talking about the story or the plot, but it's tone, it's <clears throat> comedy, it's offbeat nature, it's wackiness. So that, I mean, basically, what I'm trying to say is that it's kooky and weird, but not overly kooky and weird so that it's annoying. No. And it's got a few themes going on at the same time, but it balances them really well and doesn't let one overtake like the importance of it. But yeah, it's just this massive, massive balancing act. You can get into a bit more. First impressions, what did you think of Everything Everywhere All at Once? Okay, so I absolutely loved it. Cool. I thought it was a brilliant film. I did work out what the overarching theme was. Um, I think at a decent rate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I was like, okay, yeah, I get this. I get what's happening. I know what's happening. Um, for me, the thing that really stuck out to me, and this, the costume design. Yeah, yeah. I loved the costume design. Especially of Joe Butapaki. Oh, my God. Like, to the point where if, if we had to dress up for Halloween, I'm going as her. <laughs> um, I'm going as her in, like, probably the golfing. Right. Because it's easy, um, and I just love like the bright pink makeup that she had. Everything about her, I just loved. Yeah, she was my absolute most favorite character. Um, it just looked brilliant. Mm. The colors in it were it was quite fun because like the everyday colors were so muted, and then when Joe Joe Boo Tapaki, and then when Joe Boo Tapaki comes in, everything is exaggerated and colourful and bright, and or the whites are cleaner and crisper. The darks are like the blacks are darker. Yeah. Everything about her just brings life to and depth to the scene, which is funny since she is going around destroying worlds. Mm-hmm. So that's a little bit of a fun irony. Um, and I just, oh, I just loved it. I really, really loved it. 
to the point where like the next day I went around the entire office and was like, we have to watch this film. Yeah. I got um, one of the girls to watch the trailer. Um, and the, it's, it's in the trailer, so it's not a spoiler. Um, the bit where the security guard's head explodes into like confetti. Yeah. She's like, ah! And I was like, yes, it's brilliant. It's fun and it's stupid. And there's little bits of it where you're like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. And bits of it you're like, that is gross. And some violence and some not so violent. And I just, I just loved it. Yeah. And it's like when you, when you mentioned like you worked out the overarching story, if you will. Yeah. Early on. I think it's, I mean, there is definitely sort of like an A story and a B story, but it's, mm-hmm. I think it's also like really multi-lead as well. Cause it's like, it's a dysfunctional family film. It's a mother daughter relationship <clears throat> film. It's an existential crisis film. It's a yeah. mental health film. It's, it's an immigrant story too. Yeah. And it, it has all these elements going for it. Um, and like going in, that's what surprised me the most. I expected the quirkier aspects of the movie, but it's the emotional core of it that got me. And it really, really got me. It's like, it's properly anchored by this huge heart and those relationships that we see unfold and especially the one between Evelyn and Joy it weighs everything down they say it's yes there's, there may be some crazy crazy things going on mm-hmm. but it always brings it back to that <clears throat> idea of, of Evelyn and Joy mm-hmm. and like yeah it's like it also internally going into that sort of existential aspect of it. It's like like connecting with the idea of feeling lost in life. Yeah. Of trying to find your calling, but then not being one. And Mm -hmm. that feeling that you are just existing and not living. And as I say, it's like what you do is laundry and tax within the movie. Yeah. And yeah, it's communicating through the chaos. Mm -hmm. Regarding, and this is what I, I really wanted to show you, it's like, that mother-daughter relationship. And I think it's I think given that it is this kooky, culty, way out there movie mm-hmm. that would probably more appeal <clears throat> to young boys or yeah. males, that it, there is this big female core at the center of it. Yeah, I think that's it. I think the um I think I think boys would go in expecting one thing. And possibly being a bit disappointed. Whereas I think the girls that they dragged to go see it would go in and get so much more so, out I'm, of this. Because yeah. I knew what was happening. Yeah. As soon as uh, Evelyn turned around and was like, oh, Joy, um, you're getting a bit fat. Yeah. That was it. And I was like, that's the story. And I waited and waited. And I was like, yeah, that is the story behind this. Like the overarching sort of yeah. big story of this. Because it's the whole inability to be able to connect and express your feelings. And Evelyn expressing her feelings in a way that she, the only way that she can. And um, Joy just being like, I I don't, I just need you to be my mum and just support me and be open about the fact that you support me. Yeah. And absolutely. And I think regarding that, I was saying it's an immigrant story. It's also the like immigrants of different parenting techniques. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like Joy has grew up in the states. Yeah. So she has that experience, mm-hmm. and I also found like the communication between <laughs> her and well, James Hong's in the movie. Mm-hmm. Legend James Hong is like is the is a grandfather, and he not, was so good in his little wheelchair but not really being able to speak mm-hmm. and like the language barrier being there and you only, you're only like a generation like removed two ge- yeah generation removed yeah and but he, he even says every time I come to every time I see your Chinese is getting worse yeah so but again it's like it's having that different experience in life it's it is so deep in that and I think I loved the joy character in it mm-hmm. um, and just the way she blends and like how Michelle Yeoh's character really realizes what's happening and what her behavior mm-hmm. has affected her. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that it also becomes down to like 
a, a two-way relationship as well. Mm-hmm. And it's not just one way sometimes yeah. and things like that. But another reason why I think this film is going to be a, a future classic and like why it could stand out a bit more than Sophie said, the fact that it was made for an actor in Michelle Yeoh, who is super respected, yeah, but has never really had her full leading leading person in an American movie moment mm-hmm. before. And like she's been on the scene for what, almost forty years now. She was an action star in Hong Kong in the eighties and nineties, yeah, working with Jackie Chan, like. Famously, she was the person who did all of her own stunts. Mm-hmm. Um, she was a Bond girl mm-hmm. in 97 in Tomorrow Never Dies. And she's been supporting in many things. Well, that's it, because it wasn't until there is a scene where she's at the, you see a flash of her at the Crazy Rich Asian yes. uh, premiere. And I was like, that's where I know her from. So it was, yeah. Sorry, carry on. No, 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 absolutely. But like, the thing is, yeah, it's people really love Michelle Yeoh, but she's never really, again, it's, it's, it's given her that real shining light moment. Mm-hmm. And like, it's a film that is written for, written for her. Oh, definitely. And Perfect. totally engineered to get the best out of her because obviously the directors know that she has a martial arts background mm-hmm. so they can actually play into that. And even though like Evelyn, the original character that we get to know is just a bit of a, a middle-aged nothing. Yeah. You can you can play into her actual physical attributes, but also it's it's using film language that has really only been made possible over like the last twenty years or so, and it's it's also what makes me feel old. But <laughs> it's watching these directors be influenced by directors and like techniques that came out around the time when I was a teen and in my early early twenties because. There's a lot of Edgar Wright in this. There's a lot of Michelle Gondry and Spike Jones. So it's like cool seeing these filmmakers being influenced in real time mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, through like an era that I lived through. But yeah. <clears throat> there is one again. It's like it, it's an action movie, but it's not like it's not. It's very inventive with its action as well. Yeah, it's not action and explosions for action and explosions' sake, which mm. I feel happens quite a lot. Yes. And I also like the fact that it explains very clearly why they can now fight and why they can now do this. Because you get that so much in action films. It's like a normal person and then suddenly they can fight. It was like when you talk about Guns Akimbo the other week, yeah, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe can't do shit for like two thirds of the film. Yeah. Last little bit of the film, he becomes like a, like, you know, British Army sniper or something. Yeah. So, yeah, I like the fact that it kind of covered, it had, there was no plot holes in it as far as I could think of or yeah. I could see. If they were, then they weren't big plot holes. There was stuff that everything kind of made sense yeah. and everything was covered. So, therefore, you could watch it. And if it didn't quite make sense, well, you are in a multiverse. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. And like, it's like the action. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to say three words but plug fight. <laughs> it, it's, it's one of those things where it's a film that you, you generally don't know what's going to happen next because no. it's so good for Shadner as well. Because even I, I heard you giggle when Jamie Lee Curtis, who again is great in this movie, she's very cartoony and she's yeah. very. Um, like crotchety she's and great. She's scary in this. Film. Yeah, she is. Where she moves, she's got like a hunchback. It's great. Oh yeah. But like when she's saying she's won these awards, and you get the close up of the awards, and I heard you because in your mind, like that's like a butt plug. That was a bait. That was blatantly just a butt plug. But, but then, how he brings it all back. Yeah. To to that fight scene, I'm like, do you know what? I've never seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> and it's done. It's not only it's not only funny, but the way they're shooting it, and they're shooting it in like. Um, silhouette in points. Yeah. So all you see is Michelle Yeoh trying to stop somebody jumping and landing on a butt plug. Yeah. Because it's... It's so stupid. It's so stupid so, and so silly, stupid. but it works. And it, it just it just it got that real sense of quirkiness and humour about it. It's dark. And yeah, it's, it's very dark. And we, we both know my favourite part. 
my favorite absolute. I am now going to get tattooed oh, on yes. my heart. But then you, yeah, we eat rock universe. Love it. Absolute best. To me, I looked at that and went, I could be a rock. That looks so calm. But it works because everything else is so manic and chaotic that it's when just, you actually get that little bit of silence, like, it hits you. Yeah. And you've got an emotional, a real emotional beat in the movie. Yeah. Between two rocks and text on screen. <laughs> I love it. Like, I'm going to get a rock saying, ha, ha, ha. Like, <laughs> I am going to get it tattooed on me. That's the next one. I just loved it. I really, really, really enjoyed it. And then, like, little bits like the googly eyes. Yeah. Put everywhere by her husband. Love that. Uh, Who, yeah. by the way, in when he's like dressed up in his like fancy suit and yeah, everything, yeah. he is so good looking. He is. Honestly, all it took was give him a bit of a hairstyle and put him in a suit. That's it. But that, that is also that, that sequence is harking back to a film called In the Mood for Love, which is a one car Y movie. Oh. Okay. Um, it's very that style of like trying to slow emotion mm-hmm. when you get the sort of like the sh- shuttering of images and just yeah. how rich all the colors are and everything like that. I just harken back to like One Car Wai, which for me is a One Car Wai fan, mm-hmm. is great. Um, and even in that movie, where in that sequence, again, you've got it's, it's not just there for looks, so or it's not just there for. Uh, gimmick mm-hmm. it delivers an emotional beat of leave the life that you're given yeah and because you you see that evelyn has tried to do different things over her life and like tried to find things and there's i mean it's early on in the movie but like she gets served divorce papers and it's like waymond obviously doesn't want to give her these papers no. he, he just thinks that may spark something mm-hmm. again because they've just got into this mundane everyday is a is a slog attitude. Yeah. Um but yeah I mean so you've mentioned some of my favorite things yet yeah, Jobo Tapaki's costumes are amazing. Love them. Um the set design of some of the the universes is great. Also I love the fact that the main Evelyn yeah. is just in the tax office the entire time. Yeah. That's where... And, and the laundromat at the beginning. Laundromat at the beginning, but 99% of the time, yeah. she's in that. And I like that. I like that. I thought that's a really clever sort of way of doing things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, you say you mentioned part of it, but the corridor scene of when we were actually introduced fully to Jobu Tapaki and mm-hmm. just how colourful that is and how yeah, violent, weirdly violent, but also... Silly she and to death with two dildos. He does. She does. Um, That's like proper girl boss attitude. But it's also the way she moves between universes too. Where like yeah. how she flicks. She went, duh, 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 yeah. And like flick her nails when she's like running them along and her yeah. nails all change color. God, I wish I could do that. So yeah, it's yeah, it's, it is. I mean, it's my favorite film of the year by far. It, like on a second watch, like I cannot wait to watch it again. Like if mm-hmm. you put it on now. I You'd would be happy. I'd be happy I'd watch it. I'd absolutely love it. And yeah, it's just one of those films that I didn't... I went in there expecting one thing. It gave me that thing, but gave me so much more. Because you had to travel to go and watch this I, film. I, I, it I wasn't, went to Newcastle. Yeah, because it wasn't shown in Cumbria, it, anywhere in Cumbria. Was it Newcastle I, you went to? I, I, went, I went to Newcastle to watch it. Um, however, like, it did actually come out the week after in Carlisle. Oh, it did, yeah. Um, but I couldn't wait. No. So I went through to Newcastle to watch that as well. But yeah, it's like I did it's a film that I didn't feel I didn't think I was gonna go in there and at the end actually have a tear in my eye. Because mm-hmm. that final scene is really, really well done, well yeah. written, and it is just beautiful. And so yeah, I really want to go into spoilers, but let's it's it's still a film from Don't this year. Don't spoil it. Um, but no, it's it's. I feel like we've talked about a lot of stuff. I don't feel like we've spoiled it. I don't think we've spoiled it either. But yeah, it's. If you haven't, go out and watch it. I think I've covered all the points I I really wanted to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could talk about this film. <clears> God, so so much more. But yeah, 
I think I'm pretty much done. Have yeah. you got anything more else you want to add? No, just that. I loved it. Awesome. Thank you for getting me to watch it. Brilliant. Big thumbs up. Yay. And that's it for the main review of Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes. We are coming back next week. Your pick again. Yes, I have actually picked mine. Okay. So um, I did mention it earlier, if you want to cover children's existential crisis. Yes. But um, because Jordan tends to do quite grown-up films, I want to do uh, something that I think in 10 years' time will be like, our kids have to watch this film. It's something. So I picked Inside Out. Yeah. So I expect people to cry because it's one of those ones. Um, but I can, yeah. I can, tell you, I can tell you a story about Inside Out next week. Okay, you can tell us a story about Inside Out next week. Did you cry? First time I watched it, no. Second time? I can tell you when I first watched Inside Out, I hated it. Did you not get it? I don't think I got it to the point where. Uh, do you want to go through it now? Okay, just just tell us. I was away with friends. We were, we were at the races for an entire week, and we went and to watch you it. Went to go see Inside we, Out. We, we, we were we were getting the train back. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until like two, three o'clock. So we got up at ten. We we're like, "What can we? What should we do?" Hung over to all hell. I was like, "Do you know what? I want to go to City Screen because we're in York. It's like my favorite cinema." Mm-hmm. So I went to watch it, and it was so damn colourful. And you were hungover. I was hungover to hell. <laughs> and I'm just like, what is this film? Why is it? You went to go see a Pixar film hungover. Yeah. And you complained that it was colourful. Yeah. And too bright. It's my own fault. It was fully your own fault. <laughs> but I was like, this film is just too aggressively hurting my eyes. But we can get into um, Inside Out next week. Good. And yeah, that's goodbye from me. And goodbye from me. We'll be back next week. See you later. Bye.